0: helping men to live their Catholic faith boldly. This is Men of Christ Radio on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Powerful and inspiring conversations with Catholic speakers and leaders about your family, your parish, your nation, your world, and what you, as a man of Christ,
1: can do about it.
0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Men of Christ Radio. My name is Brian Farley, your humblest of hosts, and uh, very happy to be here. We've got, as always, an excellent show in store for you. We've got Dr. Mark Maravalli, who's a Mariologist out of uh, the Franciscan University of Steubenville, with much to tell us about uh, the appearances of Our Lady at Fatima and other Marian uh, teachings, uh, an area that's, I find, very little known, not only by myself, but many Catholics. And obviously, this is the time for all of us to educate ourselves. So should be fascinating. He's a brilliant man and looking forward to this. Before we get to Dr. Maravalli, however, I wanted to quickly tell you, mind you, that of course, the, 20, the 2018 Men of Christ Conference is going to happen March 10th, 2018. It'll be our 12th annual. Our speakers are going to be uh, Tim Staples, Father, Father Spitzer, um, Father Robert Spitzer, Dave Durand, And Father Cliff E. Moniger from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. So it should be an excellent event. Um, lots of serious talk about serious issues, and I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. we we'll more information coming, and if you want to find out a little bit more, you can go to www.menofchrist.net. That would be our website. Uh, so there's information on there, and there's more to come. Also, depending on when you're listening to this, coming up October 7th, there's going to be a national rosary rally in Washington, D.C., and this is kind of the culmination of the 54-day rosary no- novena for our nation that's been going on you know, for the last 54 days or so. And uh, hopefully most of you are involved or many of you. And if if not, it's never too late. You just go to novenaforournation.com and join in. Father Rick Heilman uh, does an excellent job sending out inspirational uh, quotes, scripture pieces and quotes from the saints and kind of leading this whole novena. And it's a a beautiful experience. It culminates on October 7th in Washington, D.C. People are going to be meeting in the um, upper Senate Park, uh, which there's a map on the website again novenaforarnation.com, and you can find out where to go. It's between noon and three on October seventh. There's going to be speakers there: Martin Senior, Charles Pope, Frank uh, Father Frank Pavone, Father Rick Heilman, Sister Mary Bridget Callen, Doug Barry, Chuck Navo, and others. So it should be uh, an excellent experience. This whole novena is certainly well needed by our nation, and uh, it's uh, the second annual. They did it last year; it was a fantastic success. So please. Uh, Learn more about that. Again, NovenaForOurNation.com. As always, I like to begin our program uh, with a consecration to our Blessed Mother. and It's particularly relevant for today's uh, program, so join me, if you will, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mary, my Queen, my Mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am thine own, keep me and guard me as thy property and possession. All right, so we're ready to begin, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get back to the action uh, with Dr. Mark Maravalli on Men of Christ Radio right here on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. And a reminder, our program is brought to you by the very good folks at Catholic Financial Life. So God bless them, God bless you, and we'll be back right after this. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes listening to Catholic
3: Radio by accident and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic radio is committed to bringing quality catholic programs to our local community we only can do that with your financial support take a moment now to donate online
0: Back on Men of Christ Radio, and my name is Brian Farley. Today, we're talking to Dr. Mark Maravalli, and uh, Dr. Maravalli is a, he's a husband and a father of eight. Uh, he's a permanent deacon. He's a professor of of theology and Mariology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville since 1986. Uh, he's also president of the International Catholic Movement Vox Populi Mary. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this, so we'll just call it the Voice of the People for Mary Mediatrics. Uh, <laughs> the English is easier than the, the Latin, I assume. But uh, uh, Mark uh, Maravalli, Doctor Mark Maravalli, thank you very much for joining us on Anacostia Radio. My pleasure, Brian. It's great to be with you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Now, uh, a very basic question to start with. Many Catholics, including myself, are are sadly lacking in a lot of this, I'm sure you know this, but uh, Mariology, you're a Mariologist. Can you, as quickly and concisely as possible, what is Mariology? What is a Mariologist?
1: Yeah, it's simply the study of Mary. It's the theology of Mary. That is, what's revealed in Scripture, tradition, as taught by the Magisterium, Concern the, uh, concerning the mother of Jesus, so Mariology is just a branch of theology dealing with all questions Marian.
0: All right, and so I imagine that's a distinctly Catholic thing, or is there? Is would there be any Mariology in a Protestant sect? Uh,
1: it is. It is particularly a Catholic thing. It's also a very strong Orthodox thing. You know, uh, the the Orthodox are Orthodox brothers and sisters. Uh, Greek Orthodox, R- Russian Orthodox, are, are have a very uh, powerful devotion to Our Lady, uh, and they would also have Mariology, but um, most of the time you're not going to have a a, a full Mariology uh, in, for example, Protestant seminaries, although with with higher church, so so to speak, like Lutheran and Methodist and um, Episcopal, uh, you will typically have some treatment of Mary, because that indeed, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Luther and Calvin and Swingley, all the quote, reformers, uh, all still retained uh, a Marian devotion, and, uh, in fact, uh, Luther did his, uh, his doctoral dissertation on the Magnificat, and ends it and begins it with a prayer to Our Lady. So uh, wow. some of those who follow the tradition of the Protestant Reformers do recognize the role of Mary, uh, at, at least in a, in a fundamental way, but more typically that would be uniquely Catholic and, and Orthodox.
0: Interesting. I did not know that about Luther. That's,
1: uh, <laughs> you wouldn't think so, but that's, it's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's rather remarkable because you know the, the the complaint of of Luther often was when people broke off from him. Uh, but uh, but but you know, you, when you start that process, you can't be too surprised that your disciples are going to follow the process. But um, right. in fact, Luther defends um, Mary as Mother of God and defends her intercession and even uh, defends aspects uh, of of her um, other prerogatives like her Assumption and things. So. Um, yeah. To if you really wanted to follow Luther, you'd be much more Marian than than, than many of our uh, Protestant brothers and sisters uh, would, would hold today.
0: Wow. Well, that's actually fascinating and kind of like a whole different show. I'd love to go off on that, but uh, <laughs> I, I did not know that. That's uh, very interesting. But. Anyway, I, what um, what we want to talk about today primarily is Fatima. October 13th, this year, is the 100th anniversary of the miracle of the sun at Fatima. And uh, throughout this, uh, since May, uh, specifically, we've been uh, observing the 100th anniversary of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima in 1917, of course. Um, so we'll get into some of the substance of what, what happened there uh, soon. But again, this is an area where I, I'm... Fairly lacking. I've done considerable research uh, coming up to this interview, but uh, can you give us kind of an overview of the timeline of just like, what
1: happened at Fatima? Sure. Christians in 1917. That's the third year of World War One. Uh, you have the Pope in Rome, uh, Pope Benedict the, the 15th, uh, begging Our Lady as the Mediatrix of All Graces to intercede to end for to end this war. Uh, and uh, within uh, nine days, Our Lady begins appearing at Fatima. Now, the Fatima apparitions take place uh, in a small hamlet in Portugal. Uh, it's rather typical that Our Lady chooses um, bright but innocent, sometimes less educated visionaries, so that everything they convey is really from Our Lady and not their own addition. Uh, it's interesting, uh, Brian, that there's never been a clear case of Our Lady appearing to a theology professor. Uh, because we would gum everything up. We we we'd add Augustine and Thomas and Bonaventure. You'd never get her words. You'd only get ours. So safeguard things like that. Uh, she appears to simple but bright uh, visionaries. And these three children, uh, Lucia, Yashinta, and Francisco, ages uh, 10, 8, and seven, uh, receive these messages. Our Lady asks to come on six successive uh, 13ths of the month. Uh, save for the for the fifth month in August, when actually the mayor uh, and local uh, officials who were uh, part of the masonry of the time actually abducted the children and took them off, and, and that apparition happens on the 19th. But fundamentally, uh, on October 13th, uh, you have a solar miracle, which is witnessed by 70,000 people, including documented by newspaper reporters from, at that time, the Masonic-run uh, Daily newspaper out of Lisbon and they reported the story and lost their jobs for doing it But they had to testify no. to what they saw which was this miracle of the Sun the Sun Dancing in the sky so to speak uh, Different colors coming off the Sun and then Sun racing to the earth causing the people To lie prostrate and even though it had been raining all through the morning uh, when the Sun returned to its place and the people arose uh, Everything was dry their clothes were dry the ground was dry So it was both a visual and some type of uh, actual physical miracle that happened on that great day of October thirteenth, uh, nineteen seventeen, and that that kind of crowned the whole message, Brian, of Fatima, which is daily rosary, uh, offering reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, uh, the first Saturday devotions, which we can talk about a little bit later, um, and trying to make of everything we can a sacrifice, both to uh, amend. Uh, God, uh, for, for the offenses of humanity, to offer reparation, and also for the conversion of sinners. So one, is, one direction is, is, is vertical, if you will. It's, it's to offer our sacrifice to God uh, in reparation for sin uh, and to Our Lady. And then the second is horizontal, that, that we're praying and offering for each other, for the salvation uh, and conversion of sinners and salvation of souls. So that's, that's a, in a nutshell, that the heart of the Fatima message.
0: And that, uh, as you said, that the miracle of the sun was witnessed by, you know, 70,000 people documented in newspapers, um, really a fascinating event. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like uh, to see. Obviously, many thought the world was ending. Um, uh, that's. Uh, no. I, 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 there, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I say, they, they did indeed. In fact, uh, some people started saying their confessions out loud as the sun was approaching. It made it a little bit more embarrassing when the sun went back to its place, and uh, everyone knew everyone's confession. But that was just a, a secondary element to the fact that here Our Lady was was manifesting clear, documentable, empirical evidence that what she was saying was true. These events were true and had a huge impact on the world, uh, and, and and of course. To say, you know, it, it, it's all about the message, right? It, it, it's all, all the miracle, try right, to encourage us to live the message, right. uh, And the message is 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 imminently a message of the importance of the daily rosary, uh, offering reparation to the immaculate heart of Mary uh, in light of the, the many many children that reject her throughout the world, um, and also uh, the call for the consecration of the world, uh, specifically Russia. To Mary's Immaculate Heart, which was uh, fulfilled by St. John Paul II on, on March 25th, of 1984. Uh, but as, as, as if I can say, as, as Pope Benedict XVI Emeritus said, and Pope Francis more recently, the message of Fatima is more relevant today uh, than it's ever been. Uh, the message of Fatima is not over because we are not yet at an era of peace. Uh, that's pretty obvious by, by checking the headlines. Uh, and so the need to continue to, to live. Fatima today is, is, is quintessential, uh, because uh, there is a promise of peace, Our Lady will say on, on July 13th, in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. Uh, there's the promise of peace, but there's not yet the attaining of that promise, because we, we still have rosaries to pray. We still have First Saturday's of uh, reparation to offer. We still have the, the message of Fatima to live. So it's, it's imminently relevant to, to the Church and the world today.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I, I like that it's a, an, an action, a call to action in a lot of ways. And now um, we hear a lot about the, the secrets of Fatima. Um, so can you, you tell us what,
1: what those are and, and what, what that's all about? Yeah, well, they're actually secret, Brian. I really shouldn't say them on the air. I'm, sorry. I'm just kidding. Okay, so the secrets of Fatima, sorry, uh, the secrets of Fatima uh, come on July 13th. 1917 to the three children and the first secret uh, deals with the vision of hell the the children literally see hell and they see uh people and 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 images in animal-like form that are in a conflagration of fire and our lady says you know this is hell where the souls of first sinners go to save them uh god wishes to establish devotion to my immaculate heart so the, the first message is that hell exists, and we have to be praying and offering to save people from going to hell. Hell, hell is a reality. So that's number one. Number two, uh, there is the uh, prophecy uh, regarding uh, that which is to come, uh, w- which includes um, a number of events. Uh, there was the prophecy of the Holy Father having much to suffer, various nations being annihilated, um, a Second World War that would come— uh, if man if humanity did not convert um, and, and even indications of when this would happen it would happen under the pontificate of Pius the 11th Now that's fascinating because our ladies also prophesying the name of the next pope I mean this was happening during the pontificate of Benedict the 15th uh, And she even said there would be a light that would illuminate the sky uh, when uh, we were on the eve of the Second World War, and that, in fact, happened in January of 1938, as, uh, as the Nazis invaded uh, Austria, and then soon after Poland, uh, all of Europe was illuminated by by, by a great by a great uh, illumination of the sky. Uh, it lasted for several hours, and then um, even the reference of the various nations being annihilated. Many Fatima scholars say well, that has not yet happened. Uh, we've had uh, the changing of borders, but we've not had the annihilation of nations. So all of that comes with the call for the uh, the, the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, the third secret was, was given on July 13th, but it was not released until June of the year 2000. And this was at the bequest of St. John Paul II. And in that secret, there is a reference to a bishop dressed in white, Uf, sister Lucia identified as the person of John Paul II, uh, that he was uh, mounting a hill, uh, and that he was martyred in the process, and that many other uh, cardinals and bishops and, and priests and religious and, and lay faithful were martyred as well, and angels took that blood and sprinkled it uh, beyond the, the, the image there and sprinkled it for the uh, future of the Church, which is always, you know, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the Church. So it's a powerful uh, secret. Um, but again, with, with commentaries by people like Pope Benedict, uh, this has not yet taken place. This is not fulfilled. Uh, there's still the Fatima reference to, to, to go forward. So these are the three you know, secrets of Fatima. But it's all encouraging us to live the heart of the Fatima message, which, which is revealed uh, in
0: 1917. Now, I, I had heard... That the uh, third secret was actually a prophecy of the assassination attempt on John Paul II. That's not the
1: case. Well, this is this is fascinating, Brian, because when the secret was released, Cardinal Ratzinger stated that there's no official interpretation of the third secret. Um, there's there's no Vatican interpretation that is that is to be maintained on a doctrinal level. Uh, some would say surely the assassination attempt on John Paul II had something to do with this. And uh, uh, indeed, you know, the Holy Father is, has this attempt. And, and indeed, there's also the sense that the Holy Father's um, uh, prayers and, and the prayers for him and the intercession of Our Lady saved the Holy Father from dying. Yeah. Uh, there's also the interpretation that, yes, but there's there's still more challenge to come. Um, and, and what exactly does that mean? mean, that's difficult. It, it, it's not clear, and yet what is clear is what Sister Lucia says, and if, if I can dovetail to that for a second, uh, Brian, sure. Sister Lucia was was interviewed in 1999 by by the founder of the Blue Army, a gentleman named John Hafford, and Sister Lucia said, we're only in the third day of the week of Fatima, and that fascinated the interviewer, as, as you can imagine. And uh, he he came back to say, well, what, what does that mean? And, and, and Sister Lucy went on to say that the first day of Fatima was the period of the apparitions themselves. The second day of Fatima was the time before the apparitions, and before uh, excuse me, after the apparitions and before the consecration. She said we're now in the third day of Fatima. It, it's it's the post-consecration period. But then she said there are four more days of Fatima. The experience. And of course, that's where the interview stopped. Uh, some of us will say, well, what are those other four days? Yeah. Uh, but of course, obviously, Sister Lucy was just trying to give us a clear idea that you know, the, the message of Fatima and the fulfillment of Fatima is not, uh, yet, not yet over. And I think we can be clear about that because obviously, if we read the headlines, no one argues that we are presently living in an era of peace. Uh, that's that's pretty universally accepted. We are right. not living in a, in a time of great spiritual or geographical or political tranquility, uh, and so that's our encouragement to continue on. So, back to that third secret, you know, was it was it entirely satisfied with uh, and and fulfilled with the attempt on John Paul II's life? Perhaps it was. Uh, many others say uh, it, it wasn't. In that. There's still more challenge to come for the church, but in the end, there is also the promise of victory. So, uh, again, there's the, the church gives us the freedom on, on how to understand that. I think the only thing we, 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 we would want to discourage is an idea that when the Pope revealed the third secret of Fatima, it was all just history. It, it, it missed the point because prophecy is, is given to us for the sake of conversion, for the sake of responding better to to the gospel of Jesus and the fullness of the Church. And if the Third Secret only referred to what happened in the past, it would seem to undermine the whole purpose of prophecy, which is to, to have us uh, indeed convert and go forward. So again, there's great freedom with that. But I think um, even the reference that those who were killed were only people back in the 50s and 60s, uh, good people could differ about whether that's the fullness of the Fatima message, but here's here's the beauty of the freedom of the church.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, lots of
1: um, interpretation there. Uh,
0: the uh, is that why they held off on it? Like you said, it was you know delivered 1917. I think wasn't it? Uh, John the Twenty Third received it, but then he said, "I'm not going to talk about this." Why did they hold off?
1: Yeah, well, John the 23rd's comment, and 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 you did a nice job on your research, Brian. That's a very good catch-up. <laughs> <a> good you. <laughs> so, uh, uh, John the 23rd uh, said, he opened it and he closed, he said, this is not for our time. Now, okay. either John the 23rd was mistaken, which I don't think is a good position you want to hold, since he <laughs> happens to be St. John the 23rd and his <laughs> body's incorrupt <laughs> in St. Peter, that's pretty good evidence. Uh, but... It was intended for beyond, uh, and John Paul II opened it, and it, and he sensed only after he was shot he sensed it, it is the time to reveal it. So I I, I would say that um, again, the the interpretation which tells us that Fatima is imminently relevant that we we've, we've got to keep praying these rosary beads, uh, we've got to have families pray the rosary, and we should be doing the first Saturday devotions, which was what Our Lady asked for in the same line where she asked for the consecration of Russia. But some people say, well, if the if the consecration of Russia was done, why aren't we in an era of peace? And the answer is because it's not just the consecration of Russia. It was also our call to do the first, the, the five first Saturday, uh, devotion as well as the overall Fatima message, um, which is a call for rosary and, and also for, um, reparation for, for offering our sufferings, uh, to God and and for for sinners.
0: Fascinating, fascinating stuff. We're talking about Our Lady of Fatima and the the message there. And we're going to take a quick break, uh, but we'll be back. We're talking to Dr. Mark Maravalli, Mariologist from Franciscan University of Steubenville on uh, Men of Christ Radio here on WSFI, 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Our program is, as always, brought to you by the good folks at Catholic Financial Life. So thanks to them. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Dr. Maravalli right after these important and inspiring messages.
3: Did you know that you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio from anywhere in the world? Our live Internet stream is available at WSFIRadio.org. Just click on Listen Live. We also stream on the TuneIn mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. For iPhone and iPad users, visit the App Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. For Android users, visit the Google Play Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. kind of shape
1: is your soul in? I'm inviting you to consider making a weekend of spiritual exercise we're talking a retreat with the Lord prayer meditation quiet and beautiful Barrington at the Bellarmine Jesuit retreat house come check out the possibilities at jesuitretreat.org that's j-e-s-u-i-t retreat.org come to the quiet so
3: the quiet can come to you
0: Right. that music means we're back. I'm Men of Christ Radio. My name is Brian Farley. We're talking today with Dr. Mark Maravalli, a Mariologist out of Franciscan University of Steubenville. He's also, um, I don't know, is angelologist? Is that a term, uh, Mark? Is it? That...
1: <laughs> Well, it is since you just made it one, Brian. Uh, I think that's impressive. Yeah, I just... just I haven't heard it before, but uh, (laughs) it's it's certainly logical.
0: But he, uh, Dr. Maravalli did a a CD for Lighthouse uh, Media um, on the angels, and I was telling him earlier that for me was hugely eye-opening because I, as many people of my generation, I'm 52 years old, was raised that uh, angels are just fictional characters like Cupid's and Santa's elves, and there's nothing... And this was in Catholic education, of course. So hearing... CD was just beautiful. I mean, the intellectual foundation of the whole uh, uh, reality of Angels was fascinating. Uh, So uh, avail yourselves of that as well. Uh, This is this is all great stuff. Today we're on this show. We're talking about. uh, talking about uh, Fatima, Our Lady of Fatima, the message therein, and uh, what it all means. Uh, We were just talking about the secrets, uh, the vision of of hell, uh, the prophecy of uh, suffering in World War II, the annihilation of nations, and then the the, the third secret. Um, I wanted to go back to the first one, though, the vision of hell. Uh, Sadly, or ironically, or whatever we want to say, I think that is a concept that is just evaporating from casual Catholic uh, consciousness. Uh, there seems to be no appreciation of the idea of hell, the possibility of hell, sin, um, and it, I, I think this is undermining so much and, and causing, I, I, it's one of the causes, I think, of the the apostasy that's taking place, people leaving the faith because there's really no reason for the faith, because eh, there's no hell, so who needs salvation? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, you know, it was Pius the XII who said, you know, the sin of the 20th century is the loss of the sense of sin. So obviously, if we don't know we're sinning, we have certainly no fear of a hell, and we, we have no need of a redeemer. And that's, that's kind of the secular humanist uh, take on, on, on life to, to a large degree. Uh, and therefore, uh, when you don't have a reality of hell—now, it's not that the Heavenly Father wants us primarily to live the gospel out of fear, uh, but it's also reality check that hell exists. And rejecting the Father is an acceptance of eternal misery. That That's simply the facts. So the Heavenly Father sends his Son so that we accept out of love and, and out of uh, thanksgiving in faith. Uh, but the Heavenly Father also wants the world to know hell exists. Hell is a reality, and it's not pretty, and it's not fun. Uh, and so it is still our option. So... The Father doesn't condemn us to hell, we take ourselves to hell, we choose hell, and the Father confirms our choice. Uh, and that's why Our Lady, you know, begins with that revelation. The, she said, you know, he, you must know that hell exists, and, and people are entering hell. Uh, Yashinta, uh, towards the end of her very young life, uh, she was dead by 1920, uh, mentioned that uh, many, many people go to hell in virtue of the sins, uh, of, sins of impurity. And you think of the pandemic of pornography going on right now, uh, as well as what it does in terms of ruining marriages, uh, ru- ruining any proper concept of man and woman, um, and let alone the abortions that are a result of pornography, uh, you get a pretty frightening uh, a total of what happens when you reject the Church's teaching on purity and, and God's uh, true vision for man and woman. So. And it's not exclusive to to impurity, but certainly that is a, a major dimension. Uh, we're still accepting uh, the rationalist lie of, of of philosophers like Nietzsche. They said basically there's no god, and, and, and we are uh, the gods, and that became fodder for the Nazis. And it also become uh, I mean everybody every every member of the Nazi party was given a, a copy of Thus Spake Zarathustra by, by Nietzsche, who's who's the God Is Dead philosopher. But it didn't stop there. We, we have that continuing today uh, with, the, with the fundamental concept that, that I determine my own destiny. There is no God. Uh, there is no author of life, and I can take life whenever I want. So it's, it's all of a one. So, so the fact that the first secret re- would reveal hell would be a wake-up call. But the first secret can't be understood without the second secret, which is, you know, God wishes to establish devotion in my immaculate heart that's uh, and and then there's the details of why because of a conditional second world war and these other elements but it's fundamentally a, a, it's a remedy call as you said at the beginning of the program it's a call to action the only problem is when we don't take heaven's action with it but it, it it's clearly a, 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 a balm it, it's a solve. it's a solution it's a consolation it's it's an answer to the question uh, of life's meaning. And, and, and we have to respond to that. And that's why the message is so powerful.
0: And That's an excellent point that it's not just a, you know, here you are and all these bad things are going to happen. Now, good luck. She's she's giving us the, yeah. the, 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 the solution as well, both for people maybe just tuning in or certainly bears repeating. What does Fatima mean for us in terms of action? What is our lady specifically asking us, commanding us to do?
1: Sure. And so, it is, first of all, she, she says on May 13th, pray the rosary every day for the end of the war, because only she can help you. Now, that's not just for World War I. Uh, that's for the challenges of the world today. So some people say, well, the, you know, the rosary's fine, but it's kind of a private devotional prayer. No, it's not. It, it, it is a supernatural prayer. The church says that it's second only after the mass and liturgical prayer of the church. Uh, and it has changed the course of human history on countless occasions. So it, it's, a, it's a spiritual weapon given to us by Our Lady uh, that needs to be wielded today. Uh, if I can tell you just a, a, a quick example of this, Brian, um, there was a, a bishop in Nigeria, his name is Bishop Oliver Dash Dome, yes. and his diocese was being ravaged by Boko Harim, the terrorist organization. And he went before the Blessed Sacrament. This is this is no more than four years ago. And he basically pleaded with our Lord, saying, Lord, I'm the shepherd of this diocese, and the sheep the, the, the wolves attacking the sheep, and I've got to protect them. What can I do? And it took him several weeks to admit this to anyone else, but at that point, our Lord appeared to him in a vision. And he handed the bishop a sword. And as the bishop grasped the sword, the sword turned into a rosary. And three times our Lord said to the bishop, Boko Horim gone. And now, now I'm paraphrasing, but I, it's, a, it's an accurate paraphrase because I spoke with the bishop in Amsterdam last year and, and, and paraphrased it in front of him, and he granted that that was a, an accurate paraphrase. Um, and I've spoken to the bishop within the last six months, and he said, after two years of their diocese storming heaven with the rosary, uh, Boko Harim is almost completely eliminated from the disease. They went from 120,000 Catholics, Brian, down to 40,000 Catholics. 50 parishes and, and church structures burnt. And now uh, Boko Harim has almost entirely been, been, uh, been chased out of the area uh, by the power of the rosary. So it's, it's, it's the real deal. That's, and we've got to be praying this rosary, and that's that's I say Fatima action step number one is is that daily rosary.
0: I just want to inter- interrupt you for a second because, and it's so good to hear about uh, the the um, uh, Bishop DiMe uh, is the. the developments in his territory. He actually was the very first guest on this radio program, um, Men of Christ Radio, We because we had him at the Men of Christ Conference in 2015-16, shortly after his vision, and um, I had the honor of meeting him, and it was just a, a, an extraordinarily wonderful, humble... Kind man, saintly man, and just it was it was so uh, inspiring to have him here, and then to tell his story, and uh, and Father Gideon, his assistant, and I'm I'm so glad because I haven't heard much about what's happened in his uh, diocese in the last few months. So I'm glad to hear uh, it's things are turning around and yes, I know his devotion to Mary and, and the rosary was just beautiful and uh, all of his uh, yeah, yeah. people in his diocese. So, but I, I love hearing that story again. And thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad that you met him and that you shared that as well in, in this context, especially, that's really powerful. So, okay. Yeah, so, it,
1: it, 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 so that, that would be the first action step. And, and then, and then secondly, this actually was, was given uh during the nineteen sixteen angelic apparitions. So before the seven, excuse me, the six major Fatima apparitions that happened in 1917, the angel uh Gabriel, excuse me, the angel Michael uh, appears, who's the guardian angel of Portugal, uh, appears to the children on three occasions, two in, in 1916 and, and once in, in in the in spring of nineteen seventeen. And during those apparitions, sister Lucia, well at that time Lucia, the, the child Lucia says how are we to make sacrifices? And St. Michael responds, make of everything you can a sacrifice and offer it to the Most High God. He is much offended and also in reparation and for the conversion of sinners. So, Brian, I think that's Fatima Call number two, and that is, it's simply called reparation. But, you know, you'd have to say, when was the last time you heard a teaching or preaching on reparation? It's almost gone out of our focus, but it, it simply cannot. It's so essential uh, to the faith and to really living uh, the, the Marian message to the bottom world today. So, so what is reparation? Reparation is where God has given us an ability by offering our prayers and our sacrifices, united with those of Jesus, the Redeemer, and Mary, the co-redemptrix, to be able to release grace, and that, that release of grace— leads both to the consoling of the heart of God, which is a, which is a fascinating uh, prospect, that we yeah. can actually console our God. Yeah. It, it's an honor beyond words that, that we can bring a, a type of consolation to the heart of Jesus in the in, in midst of all the people that reject his love. And specifically at Fatima, it was, it was the child Jesus who pointed to the heart of Mary. Now, this happens on December 10th of 1925, uh, when... There's the revelation of the five first Saturdays. But Jesus says, look at my mother's heart, which is inflicted by, uh, by the, uh, the, the offenses of ungrateful men at every moment. You, at least, try to console her heart by doing the following. And then what does Jesus do? He gives a promise of salvation through our lady that anyone who does these five first Saturdays, Uh, these these various acts will receive the graces necessary for salvation now how can Mary give us that because she's the mediatrix of all graces this has been church doctrine for three centuries so what the point is Jesus is asking us to give reparation to Mary's heart why because out of 7 billion people alive today only a fraction have accepted her love as a mother only a fraction have accepted the gift that Jesus gave to us from Calvary when he said, Behold your mother. Sadly, much of the world has said, No, thank you. I don't need a mother. Or, I don't even know who you are. I can't accept your mother. And this is why the heart of Mary suffers, is because she is a loving mother rejected by many of her children. So it's at Jesus' direction that we are first called to offer reparations to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, and that's what I'd say is call to action number two. Uh, at Fatima, the call to offer reparation, both because of the sense of humanity, but also specific to Mary's heart. And if I can say, Brian, just briefly, what those four conditions were, that the four requests for these five first Saturdays, I, I think it may may you know round out the understanding of what Our Lady is calling for. Uh, and that is number one, that on five consecutive first Saturdays we would receive Holy Communion. Number two, we'd receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Number three, we would say five decades of the Rosary. And number four, we would keep her company for 15 minutes while meditating on one or or any of the 20 of the Mysteries of the Rosary. But that we would do that with the intention of making reparation to her Immaculate Heart. So Our Lady promises, as does Jesus, that if we do that on five consecutive first Saturdays with that intention of making reparation for Immaculate Heart, that we will receive the grace for salvation. It, it's an amazing promise, but it's also a, a, a critical call of action at Fatima. Absolutely.
0: And I, I'll dare say one that you don't hear much uh, about, because, uh, again, in my experience, I had never heard that so probably I got involved with men of Christ really uh, five years ago or so. Um, But uh, rather, rather important um, uh, possibility there. So uh, um, that's powerful.
1: All right. Um, Let me go ahead. I was simply going to say too, uh, you know, in light of men of Christ and and, and that call, it's not insignificant that St. Joseph would appear during the solar miracle so you know as we're approaching october 13th during that solar miracle saint joseph appears with the the child jesus in his arm and he blesses the world the next image is our lady appears as the co-redemptrix as our lady of sorrows and and again just for the clarity for our listeners co never means equal of course mary's not equal to jesus that would be blasphemy and heresy co means with and that the reason saint john paul ii calls mary the co-redemptrix is that mary was with jesus in his work of redemption even unto the even unto calvary at the foot of the cross so it's it's fascinating that mary would appear as the co-redemptrix at fatima too so on both of those counts it seems something important to us brian and and the thing about saint joseph is saint joseph is a critical part of the triumph of the Immaculate heart of mary and it's it's so quintessentially important that men that christian men will see and receive saint joseph as their model uh, as their spiritual father not not exclusive to men of course but in a special way in this age of fatherlessness in this age of of uh, of a lack of clarity of of a father as, as head of the family uh, and really uh, the call of fathers to be holy uh, we've got to return to saint joseph in a powerful way and i think that's part of why he appears at fatima to remind us of his role in the triumph of the immaculate heart uh, and, and and the need of Saint Joseph uh, for 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 men and for family life as well. Absolutely, uh, powerful stuff. And Saint Joseph is yeah, a patron of men of Christ,
0: and uh, yeah, a huge role model for all men. Let's take a quick break on Men of Christ Radio, and then we'll uh, come back with Dr. Mark Maravalli uh, after these messages.
2: Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki,
0: the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes listening
3: to Catholic Radio by accident and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online
0: Okay, we're back for the big finish here on Men of Christ Radio. We're talking to Doc, Doctor Doc, Doctor Mark Maravalli, <laughs> uh theology professor and, and Mariologist from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, on Men of Christ Radio, once again, thanks to Catholic Financial Life for making this wonderful program possible. Um, Mark, you, I think, if I did my research properly, I think you were kind of touching on this before, but um, something interesting: uh, there are currently four Marian dogmas. Uh, in the Catholic Church, uh, and those, as if I have them memorized, but the, Mary's perpetual virginity, the Immaculate Conception, the and the Assumption, uh, and that Mary is the Mother of God. So you write and advocate for a fifth Marian dogma to be promulgated, instituted. Uh, what is that Marian dogma, and why is that important?
1: Yeah, it's great, and, and you get All the more uh, cyber credit for your for your mariological research, uh, Brian. Well well done here again. This is great. uh, Yeah, yeah. distance education, you're getting degrees right and left, just in one program. (laughs) So uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, So as as you said, so historically, you know, we start with the mother of God in 431, that Mary's the, the mother of God, the Son made man, and then in 649, the declaration that Mary's virginal before, during, and after the birth of Jesus. In 1854, she's the Immaculate Conception, declared as such by Pius IX. And in 1950, uh, she is her, her assumption, body and soul to heaven, is declared by Pius XII. Now, what's fascinating about those four dogmas, those four absolute truths about Our Lady, is none of them deal specifically with Mary's relationship with you, or with me, or with any of our listeners, or with all humanity. And so... There is a fifth doctrine in the church, which is not yet dogma, but it's been taught by the papal magisterium for the last seven centuries. And that is that Mary is the spiritual mother of all humanity. And so almost well, a little over 100 years ago, back in 1915, a cardinal from Belgium, Colonel Mercy, started a movement saying, let's encourage the Pope to make this fifth definition about Mary's relationship with us. And in doing so, surely great and historic graces will be given to the Church. Why? For two reasons. Uh, every time there's been a Marian dogma in history, there's been a huge influx of graces for the Church and the world. That's kind of documentable. Uh, secondly, if we're defining Mary's role as our spiritual mother, well, well surely we can expect, uh, in a special way, more <laughs> graces. Because it's us acknowledging what she does for us already, but, but the more freedom— the more our fiat is involved with this, the more grace that comes. And so in 1915, he started a movement. uh, And it was a very uh, powerful, uh, very strongly supported movement. Uh, And then some 30 years later, in 1945, it was a church-approved, and I want to emphasize that, a church-approved apparition uh, of Our Lady in Amsterdam, where Our Lady came under the title Lady of All Nations. And she said, yes, I do desire that my role as your spiritual mother under its three aspects, co-redemptrix, mediatrix, and advocate a mother who suffers for us, a mother who nurses us, a mother who pleads for us. I do desire that that would be defined and it is a condition for world peace, which is really an extraordinary uh, statement. Uh, But it really goes completely in line with what she said at Fatima, and that is, you know, only she can help you. In the end, my immaculate heart will triumph, a period of peace will be granted to the world. And so it, it's, a, it's a church-approved private revelation, which is not the foundation of any dogma. It couldn't be. But it does confirm what, was, what is indeed happening in the church, and that is that it will be to our great benefit if our Holy Father would solemnly define what is already the doctrine of the church, and that is that Mary is our spiritual mother. And, and that's under three particular aspects, Brian. Her, her role as co-redemptrix, which is the most misunderstood. It simply means that Mary uniquely participated with Jesus in the work of redemption. Uh, secondly, her role as mediatrics of all graces that every grace merited by Jesus comes to us through Mary, through her intercession. And thirdly, her most ancient title uh, given to her in the second century that Mary is our advocate. She is our special protector and defender. So, uh, so the movement again, well over a hundred years old is simply and always respectfully encouraging uh, our Holy Father, encouraging people to write to the Holy Father in respectful petitions, encouraging people to keep in their prayers and their rosary and their Masses, that the Holy Father will solemnly proclaim Our Lady as the world's spiritual Mother. Um, And that indeed, even without the private revelation, but again it's a Church-approved private revelation, that we can expect great graces. And I think we'd all agree that we can use great graces right now as we look at the headlines of of, of the world. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a win-win situation in my book. Uh, it would be a wonderful thing if the Holy Father would do this and uh, we could get more graces both for the Church and for the world.
0: Yeah, i put it under the category of we need all the help we can get and this would be significant. <laughs> so what is there any status on this movement at
1: this point? Is it looking good? or? Well, um, I mean, it's always up. To the Holy Father. Now, I've spoken twice to Pope Francis about this. I, I can't get into the, the details of our conversation, but I can say this most generally: he's extremely open to the petitions of the faithful. I mean, we know that anyway because you know the Holy Father on several occasions. I mean, over a half a dozen times, he's he's cold-called people, uh, and you know, who sent a letter or a petition or, or, or some request, and all of a sudden, you know, John Paul. I mean, excuse me, Pope Francis. Calls. This happened about three months ago in, in Milan, and he called the guy, and the, the guy hung up on him the first time. He said, Man, Pope Francis, yeah, yeah, sure you are. He slammed the phone down. And Francis called nice. back. He called, he called back. back. again, and and again, and, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to him about a letter. So we know how open the Holy Father is to this. And really, it becomes a very easy thing to do. I mean, you, you put on an envelope, Pope Francis, Vatican City. That's all you need. And from the States, it's three postage stamps. And you just share your heart to his, Holy Father, I support you in your discernment of this, however you want to say it. But Brian, technically, if the Holy Father wanted to do something like this, it just gives him more strength, more support from the faithful. Because A, he could try to do this on his own, which means it's all on him, so to speak. B, he could do it in response to the support of millions and millions of faithful. And uh, already in the last 25 years, over 8 million people have petitioned uh, the last three pontiffs for this definition. So, you know, it, it, of course, it's a we'll call. But I would say if, if you feel the peace that this would be for the good of the Church, um, and, and certainly Pope Francis is extremely Marian, um, I would take the five or seven minutes it takes to write a brief couple lines to him saying, I, I support you in this, Holy Father. And and that's really what it is. And it's a canonical right. And it's also uh, something that happened in the last two uh, petition drives for dogmas that both popes, Pius IX and Pius XII, thanked the people for the petitions, for the millions of petitions that they received, which led to the definition of the Immaculate Conception and the Assumption. And, of course, it's always ultimately up to our Holy Father, and we respect his freedom entirely.
0: Right. And that's, uh, well, that's encouraging. Uh, it's it's uh, interesting, too, and a, a unique aspect of the Catholic faith And this end that you can participate in, you know, almost a, I know it's not a democratic situation, but it's, in a, in a sense, it is. But it's uh, it never even occurred to me to write to the Pope about, you know, something like this. But now you, um, if people want to find out more about that, is your, I think this is your website, thefifthmariandogma.com.
1: They can go to fifthmariendogma.com, they can also go to crownmary.com, and quite frankly, uh, we are uh, sending off another batch of petitions to the Holy Father, but if you go to crownmary.com, you can include your own petition in in a minute. Uh, It just allows us to then take them, uh, take the names, and then we submit them to the the Holy Father. So either way, you can write directly to the Holy Father, or you can go to crownmary.com, and you can send an electronic petition. To the Holy Father as well excellent well that's uh it makes it
0: easy too which is uh I think i'm going to do that've uh, i never done anything like that before so be
1: good. <laughs> That'd be great. I mean, obviously I, I i I'm convinced of its of its fruitfulness, but I mean what a beautiful thing to tell our children or grandchildren that yeah, we were one of the people that supported the Holy Father in in crowning our lady this way i I think it's a beautiful thing in it. Once again, it is a truth already that's not at issue. Um, and I think the more we proclaim the truth, the more it pleases Jesus, and the more it releases Our Lady to intercede on our behalf, because she too is bound by our freedom, right? It's, a, it's an amazing thing, but, you know, in a certain sense, God the Father waited for Mary's yes to bring us Jesus. Yeah. And now Mary waits for our yes to bring us the graces of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Uh, and so, God always respects freedom, but I think this is a great way to utilize our freedom and to, to allow Our Lady to fully intercede uh, for the grace that we could surely use in our in our present uh, era in the Church and the world.
0: And that that whole dynamic is one of the, I think, most beautiful aspects of Fatima and really the whole Marian story is this whole God and human cooperation. You know, God does not just... No dictate. He wants us to cooperate of our own free will, and she's the best example of, of how to do that right. Um, and now yeah, she's yeah. inviting us and encouraging us and showing us how to do the same thing, which is uh, really very beautiful and powerful.
1: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, Augustine put it well. He said, God can cr- God creates us without us, but he can't save us without us. Uh, and, and that's what this is about. This is us not only for our own salvation, but for the salvation of humanity uh, in letting Our Lady bring us the graces we need. But God the Father will never violate our freedom. That's His his, his ultimate gift to us. Uh, But it's a great way to use our freedom, both for graces for our, our marriages and our families and for the world itself.
0: Amen. Well, that is, that's beautifully said and uh, an excellent conversation here, uh, Dr. Maravalli. I'd like to go on and on and on, but of course, we're coming to the end of the program. So I, I just will take the remaining time to say thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy uh, academic schedule to uh, talk with us here and sh- and share your expertise. Um, I know you do a lot of talks and you've got CDs out there. So folks, look for them, Dr. Mark Maravalli, uh, mariologist, angelologist, as I just uh, declared him. <laughs> but uh, really do appreciate it, and uh, and God bless you and all that you're doing, and and the the great Franciscan University of Steubenville. We had the honor of meeting Dr. Hahn at our last Men of Christ conference, and he was a delightful man. Really, I was
1: surprised at what a wonderful guy he was. Yes, he really is, and and, and thank God for all the good work that the uh, the Men of Christ do, and may Saint Joseph continue to guide you and 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 all the men in in your endeavors to live holy lives and, and, and domestic lives in and, and dedication and at the heart of the church yes amen yeah, we're, we're we're all doing
0: our doing our best um now uh uh mark if you'll hang on i'd like to conclude our shows with a prayer to st michael uh seems like a good way to finish so to join me in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen st michael the archangel defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil may god rebuke him we humbly pray and do thou o prince of the heavenly hosts by the power of god cast into hell satan and all the evil spirits who Travel about the world seeking the ruin of souls Absolutely. amen yeah. all right well that will uh that'll do it for this episode of men of christ again dr Mar- maravalli thank you so much and uh, god bless you and your family and all of our listeners god bless you we'll be back on men of christ radio very soon so keep listening on wsfi 88.5 fm catholic radio bye-bye everybody you've been listening to men of christ radio on wsfi 88.5 fm catholic radio for more information on this or any other radio program, visit wsfiradio.org or email info at wsfiradio.org. To learn more about the men of Christ, visit menofchrist.net.